Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Just anybody. Help. You know, I need someone. Help. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 237 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is a doubling of deaths among sick moms-to-be highlights medication safety in pregnancy. Family caregivers, especially moms-to-be, want health information that they can trust that they can understand and that will be useful to them. They want health information about topics that are complex. They want health information about topics that are sensitive. And they want health information about the especially complex and particularly sensitive topic, the effects of chemicals on pregnancy, such as the effects of the chemical alcohol, which if consumed during pregnancy may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, which can produce changes in the child's brain function that are very disabling and that last for life, such as the effects of workplace chemicals like pesticides, solvents and colorants, which when they get into the body during pregnancy may increase the risk of birth defects, and such as the effects of medications, which also are chemicals. Which is why our topic, doubling of deaths among six moms-to-be, highlights medication safety in pregnancy and why it's so important. To discuss it, our guest is Dr. James Cave. Uh, James has been a family doctor for 20 years, working in a rural practice in 12 villages in Berkshire, England. We in North America might call it Berkshire, but it's in fact Berkshire in English. He's editor-in-chief of the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, an independent journal published monthly for physicians in the UK. He's worked in various leadership roles in the British National Health Service, and in 2009 he was awarded Officer of the British Empire for Services to Medicine, and he's married with four children. So welcome to the show, James. Well, thank you very much for having me, Gordon. I'm delighted to uh, be here. Great. Now, first question. Please tell us more about your life as a family doctor and your experience with family caregiving. Well, certainly. In fact, I come from a, a long line of doctors. My, my father was a family doctor, and one of my earliest memories is running down to the bus stop with a blood test um, to give to the bus conductor 
because in those days we used to give the blood vials to the bus conductor and he would drop them off at the hospital about 10 miles away for the doctor. Um, I went on to do medicine and uh, followed in my father's footsteps. And for 20 years now, I've been looking after people um, of all ages, from babies up to 90- and 100-year-olds. Uh, and, and what I've loved about it is the ability to be able to get to know a population of people, a, a society, and to help them with all their health needs from cradle to grave. How about um, the impression you have of the importance of family caregiving right now in healthcare as it stands, not only in England, but also in North America? What's your impression? Well, I think it's vital. I think what we've discovered over the last 50 years, I suppose, is, if you like, the industrialization of medicine. It's all down to big buildings with big machines doing really more and more complex technical things. And I think what's happened is the pendulum has got to the point where it really probably can't swing anymore. And we're discovering, actually, the real problem we have is how do you care for the elderly patient with dementia? How do you support the mum who's got two or three children under five years and who is struggling to get things together? Now, these are the vital questions for society, which an MRI scan or a clever machine really can't answer. Right. Now, more, I want to find out more about your work, and this time I want to ask you about your work with the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, because you are its editor-in-chief. James? Yes, indeed. Uh, um, the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, or the DTB as we call it, because it's quite a mouthful, um, is a medical journal that was set up about 50 years ago by a pharmacist called Andrew Herxheimer. And he was impressed with the Medical Letter, which is a publication that's still produced in New York by doctors. And he wanted to produce a similar sort of publication for doctors and pharmacists and nurses in um, Britain. Uh, we pride ourselves in being totally independent, so we don't have any sponsorship from industry or pharmaceutical companies, and all our articles are produced by um, a process of development. So we don't have a single author um, who can say, I produce this article. What we do is we have a, perhaps a writer who will produce a first draft, and then it goes out to our large board of um, doctors all around Britain um, who look at it and develop it and say, I think that's not right, or I think this should be changed, or where's the evidence for that? And through this process, we produce articles that we think will be relevant and important for doctors and other clinicians. Right. Now, the title of this episode that we're, we're um, running right now comes from the Bulletin's editorial, Doubling of Deaths Among Sick Mums-to-Be Amid Poor Evidence on Drug Safety and pre in pregnancy. Please summarize for us that bulletin's editorial. And did you write it, James? I, I didn't write it. It was actually initially written by an obstetrician and gynecologist, so someone who's an expert in the field uh, in this area. And as I say, then went through our editorial process. Now, this article. Um, 
first of all, I don't want it to scare people. Um, the thing about this is that the number of women who die um, as a direct or indirect result of pregnancy is actually pretty low. We're talking about um, perhaps half a dozen in every 100,000 pregnant women. So I'm not totally up to speed with um, stadium in the, in the United States, but I think the Arlington Stadium that the Dallas Cowboys use can hold about 100,000 people. So if we can imagine that full of pregnant women, I know it's a scary thought, but if we can imagine that, then if they were there for a year, perhaps six of them would have some sort of terrible complication which would result in their death. So 999,990-odd women would be absolutely fine. But the issue for our editorial was the issue that is really very important, and that is that what's happening is that whilst obstetricians are getting better and better at treating the direct causes of maternal deaths in pregnancy, things like blood pressure in pregnancy, eclampsia, obstetric bleeding, those sorts of things we're getting better and better at treating. What's happening is we're not getting as good at treating the indirect causes. So this is things like high blood pressure, diabetes, neurological disorders like epilepsy. Those things are rising and they have doubled in the last 20 years. And the problem we have is that we are not treating them, we feel, at the DTB adequately at the moment. Now, just a little bit more information about that. When you say the, those conditions that you mentioned that are health conditions that really they affect pregnancy or, don't, or not, but they're not primarily due to pregnancy, when you say they're not being treated properly, James, what's, what's meant by that? What do you mean? remember is that if you go back into the 1990s um, and you sat in a outpatient department in an obstetric um, hospital, you would see a row of pregnant women and only about one in a hundred of those women would have a pre-existing medical problem such as diabetes or hypertension or epilepsy or asthma. And what's happened over the last 20 or 30 years is that number has quadrupled to about four in a hundred. So we're getting a lot more women now who are coming into pregnancy, and there's a lot of reasons for this, but they're coming into pregnancy with other pre-existing medical conditions, and it's them that we're not treating adequately because we're worried about treating them. We think, oh, we shouldn't use these drugs in pregnancy, perhaps. So, so perhaps we won't want to treat their depression as well as we were treating it. Perhaps we should stop our antidepressant drugs. But then, of course, the risk of that is that the depression might get worse in pregnancy and, indeed, of, you know, my awful thing might happen to you. You know, the, the mum might actually become suicidal and, and commit suicide. So there's that balance between whether we should treat the condition as we were treating it, whether we can treat it, whether it's safe to treat it for the mother or the baby. And these things tend to mean that as a group, mums-to-be, who have got a pre-existing condition are not always being treated as well as they should be. That's very clear. Now, just very quickly, one very quick question. Does that mean that the population as a whole is getting less treatment or getting more unhealthy, regardless of pregnancy? Is that, what the, is that the underlying message? 
Well, it's a very good question. It means that, first of all, mums are getting older before they fall pregnant. I mean, uh, 30, 40 years ago, you were considered to be old if you were having your first baby at 30. Certainly in Berkshire, where I work, many women now are not having their first pregnancy until they're 35. And conditions like hypertension and diabetes tend to be things that develop as you get older. So there's an element of that. The big issue is obesity. Obesity is an epidemic problem, and that is now a major issue. I mean, in, in my part of the world, about a quarter of all pregnant mums now have got obesity. It's worse in some states in the USA, I know. And the problem with obesity is it increases your risk of other medical problems in pregnancy, such as gestational diabetes. It increases your risk of high blood pressure, and it increases your risk of not having a normal delivery at the end of, of the pregnancy. Right. That's very clear. Now, it's time for us to take a break. This is where I always say we have to pay the rent. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest, Dr. James Cave. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power of the. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The challenges facing our teens today mean that more than ever, we need to be there to support them and encourage them. The Dr. Stem Show is here to provide discussions about topics that will help promote healthy relationships, self-image, and success for teens, parents, and the community. Our young people can achieve more in life than they ever dreamed possible. The Dr. Stem Show, hosted by Dr. Stem Malatini, will foster these discussions and encourage your participation. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 9 p.m. GMT on Voice America Empowerment. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and my guest, Dr. James Cave. Our topic is doubling of deaths among sick moms-to-be medication safety in pregnancy. Now, let's talk, James, about the trends in pregnancy. You've already mentioned some important things, but I'd like to go over those in more detail with you in regard to the health implications and the challenges that they create in the use for the use of medications in pregnancy. So let's go to what are the key trends in pregnancy and what are their implications for health during and after pregnancy? You'd, you'd mentioned age, um, uh, uh, becoming pregnant. You'd mentioned obesity. Please talk about those again, but also introduce other ones. Yes, I mean, I think we might want to expand on the obesity because I think it is one of the central issues for obstetrics at the moment. The problem with obesity, as I say, is it increases um, the risk of high blood pressure in pregnancy. And if you look at the number one cause of maternal deaths um, in women from these indirect causes, so not directly as a result of pregnancy, the number one issue is heart disease. And we're talking about heart attacks or um, valve problems with the heart, the little um, uh, parts of the heart which direct blood. They can be damaged in pregnancy, and that can lead to heart failure. And also, you know, you can also, with high blood pressure, cause, cause strokes. You then have the problems with weight, either meaning that mums go into pregnancy with diabetes or they might develop what we call gestational diabetes when they're actually pregnant. And that has an impact on the mum. It can have a severe impact on the baby. The baby can be born very large, which can have an impact on delivery, but also an impact on that baby's health in the first few um, weeks of life. And an interesting thing, too, about weight, which is something which I just literally read about today, um, a study has shown that babies born of um, mums who are overweight are more at risk of developing heart disease early on in life in their 40s and 50s. So the risk is that not only is today's health problems having an impact on mums and their babies now, but there may be a knock-on effect for adults in, in 50 years' time actually suffering as a result um, of their mother's ill health in pregnancy. So it's a complicated issue here. Um, weight, as I said earlier, can also cause problems with uh, actual delivery and more likelihood that you're going to need to have um, some sort of medical intervention uh, when you have your baby rather than being able to um, have a natural birth. So we have age and we have obesity and we have an increased risk, I say, about a four quadrupling, four times increase in things like high blood pressure and uh, in um, things like uh, um, diabetes as well. Right. All these key trends are having an impact um, on health during and after pregnancy. Now, let's uh, let me put this question to you. It's concerning medications. How important are medications now, um, and will they be in the future for maintaining health during pregnancy? relating to all the things you've been talking about, and what are the challenges that arise with the use of medications in pregnancy? James? I mean, I think this 
is a really important thing. And at the moment, we've rather talked, um, if you like, about things like diabetes and hypertension. But I think we should remember that pregnant mums are just mums. They're, they're humans, and they get all the kinds of illnesses and problems that anyone else might get at any time. And I think one of the things that I think is really important to realize is that People change when they become pregnant. They're not the same person as they were before they were pregnant. So to give you an example, your heart, if you are about 30 or more weeks pregnant, your heart is beating in a similar way to someone who's running, you know, jogging around the park. Even if you're sitting down at your desk doing absolutely nothing, your heart is working as hard as it would if you were jogging around the park. And likewise, your kidneys are working harder than they would when you are normally um, unpregnant, and so is your liver. So if you give a drug to a pregnant woman, regardless of our worries about the harms it might cause that mum or the good it might cause them, it's going to behave differently because that mum is pregnant. And one of the problems we have is that we simply very often don't know what happens to normal drugs that we use every day in normal people when we give them to pregnant mums. So that's a major challenge for us because as mums reflect society and as society has more and more ongoing medical problems, or simply, if you like, there are more and more things we can treat. Let's take influenza, for example. We've now got drugs that we can use to treat patients who have influenza, but we don't have very much um, knowledge of how those drugs work in pregnant women. And we discovered with the pandemic flu that we had one or two years ago that actually pregnant mums were particularly sensitive to this type of flu. So it was particularly important we treated them adequately, and yet we didn't have the information we needed to make sure they got the right dose. So that gives you an idea of how important medications are and the challenges that we have to use them. Right. Now, one of the challenges that we all know about in, in a general kind of way is the fear um, arising from the history of the use of medications during pregnancy. And I'd like you please to summarize for us what's been learned from the history of medications used during pregnancy and the conclusions that you draw from that history. James? Yes, I mean, I think, I mean, the history is full of disasters. I mean, I think the thing to remember, however, was that until 1938, the FDA didn't have any authority to require a drug to be safe. So, actually, it's only been less than 100 years that we have clocked the idea that drugs need to be safe and secure. Now, in 1962... We had the thalidomide disaster. This was a new wonder drug that was meant to be very effective for morning sickness, and it was given to pregnant women, about 10,000 throughout the world. Uh, the USA was exceptional in that they didn't license the drug, thank goodness. So, in fact, the United States didn't suffer from a whole state of children being born with major limb defects. Um, but that really woke the world up to the idea that drugs could have major implications to pregnancy. Moving on from that, in the 1980s, we had a drug called sodium valproate, which we used in epilepsy, 
and we discovered initially that it could cause problems with development of the spine, so-called neural tube defects. But actually, we also discovered it had further implications for children later on in life as well. And then we've got the Phil Bistro uh, disaster between 1940 and 1970. About 2 million women were given this drug that was thought to perhaps prevent miscarriages and all the complications of pregnancy like preeclampsia. It didn't do that. It simply increased the risk of cancer in their children. So what we've learned from these things is that drugs can be very harmful. But there is a flip side of the coin that we've also learned. So there's a risk that if a mum is worried about taking her thyroxine tablets because she's got an underactive thyroid, we know that that will have an impact on that baby and the baby might have serious problems with regard to that. We know but if a mum has got depression and stopped her antidepressants, there's a risk that she might commit suicide. And that has obviously a major implication for the family and the, the father or, or the partner and the rest of the children. We know that if um, someone stops taking their asthma medication because they worry perhaps that their inhalers will somehow damage the pregnancy, that they're more at risk of having a major asthma attack, which might cause hypoxia and lack of oxygen to the baby and might damage them. So we've got this terrible sort of decision to make, you know, and, and unfortunately what happens is that drug companies, I'm afraid, rather just sidestep the problem. What they say in their literature is they say, only use this drug if the benefits outweigh the risks. And these are, I'm afraid, rather weasel words, because how are we to know what the risks are if no one has done the investigations or the studies or the research to know. So, so clinicians and mothers and their families are stuck in this very difficult position. James, all of that, if I can be the journalist here, um, is, a, is a worrying story. It's an alarming story. And it's a story that for many people will carry fear. How much of a factor is that in your experience and how can it be addressed, just briefly, this question of fear? Well, I, I think the good news, I think, is that, is that actually the majority of women are very healthy in pregnancy. As I said earlier, we're talking about a dozen out of a 100,000 who, you know, have serious problems. And so for many um, mums, it's a case of, you know, only sort of 96% of mothers don't have a pre-existing condition. So it's just that four in a hundred who might have asthma. And I think depending on the sort of health care you have, most mums, you know, are able to get advice about what they should do about their treatment. But I think, I think it holds true. The issue we've got, and it's the same issue that we had for children, um, until recently, a lot of drug companies would not do any studies in children for new drugs, and they would simply say to doctors, um, well, we've got no evidence for um, the use of this drug in children, so on your head be it if you use it. And it left uh, clinicians having to use drugs that had only been tested on adults. And it was ethically, if we're reasonable about this, I mean, frankly, you know, if I was a drug company, I mean, it takes we're now going to test this drug on children or we're going to test this drug on pregnant women. So it's, an, it's a really big ethical dilemma. But it's a big dilemma. And as women 
come into pregnancy later with more medical problems, it's something that's got to be addressed. Right. Now, we're going to take the break because that's the time, and we're going to come back to these questions. So this is Dr. Gordon Adley, my guest, Dr. James Cape. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for the Yoga of Money, creating wealth and abundance for the modern yogi. Host Jeff Bogart is one of a few select financial advisors in the country who fully understands the connection between yoga, money, wealth, and abundance. Jeff offers time-tested advice about growing wealth the smart way, the yoga way. The Yoga of Money bridges the gap between the spiritual and material world. Tune in for The Yoga of Money every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Cour de Grace, the Heart of Grace, is an uplifting program hosted each week by Maria Rodriguez. Each show is made up of pieces of wisdom that you can use in your everyday life, moving ever closer to transformation through inspiration. Your heart knows there is more to come, more beauty, more joy, and more truth. All you need to do is tune in. Maria will help you move toward who you really want to be, becoming a more active co-creator in your world. Core to Grace is heard live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. and My guest, Dr. James Cave. Our topic is doubling of deaths among sick moms-to-be highlights medication safety in pregnancy. So let's now discuss the implications of the challenges presented by medications in light of the trends in pregnancy and pregnancy in health and the history of their use in pregnancy. So James, what are the ethical implications created by these challenges arising 
and particularly associated with the use of medications during pregnancy. James? Well, Gordon, I think, as I said, the issue here is that we have this ethical dilemma with do we test pregnant women with our new drugs and possibly damage um, babies or mums, and we've got loads and loads of history about that, or is it actually unethical not to, to test it in the sense that if we exclude pregnant mums from all the studies we do on drugs, are we being unethical because we're leaving them high and dry without without any evidence about the, the, the effects that the drug might have on the mum or the pregnancy. And that means at the moment we've got this evidence-free zone, if you like. Um, and, of course, the worry we've got is that when we fail a pregnant woman, we don't just fail the mother, we fail the baby, we fail the partner, and we fail the rest of the family. So this is a really, really important challenge uh, for us to, to face. And the question is really, you know, how do we do that? Right. Now, I'm going to go to the next question, which is closely related, but follows very closely on what you've just been saying. I'm asking you what the implications are of the challenges for research into the use of medications during pregnancy. In other words, with all of these things you've been talking about, what actually is happening in regard to research? What should happen? And what are the challenges that prevent the what should happen from actually occurring? James? I mean, I'm perhaps been a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little bit sort of um, down about this. But actually, the good news is I think everyone who looks after pregnant women uh, understands that this is a major issue. And uh, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, have been really moving to reduce the restrictions on including um, pregnant women uh, in research. But actually, you don't even have to do that, actually. What you can do is you can say, if you start a research study on the use of certain drug in men and women, if one of your women happens to get pregnant during the trial, why exclude them from the trial all of a sudden? Why not keep them in the trial? Because then you can, you know, so, so there are ways that you can um, develop your studies so that you, you don't necessarily have to go out to include um, women. But, but if things happen or uh, if there are other complications, you, you know, you can use that evidence for um, the, the research that you need. Likewise, post-marketing research is really useful. So um, we certainly have a system in the UK that if a woman falls pregnant who's taking a drug, which we know little about in pregnancy, I'm able to phone up um, a, uh, a unit and they will take all the details and they will keep the information and they'll send me a questionnaire at the end of that pregnancy to ask me how it got on and they will add that single woman's piece of evidence to their growing amount of evidence so they can actually um, develop some idea of the risks and benefits. Likewise, as I had said earlier, mums that are pregnant are different. They have different heart outputs. They have different kidney function. They have different um, liver uh, uh, function. And there's nothing to stop 
drug companies, when they're looking at drugs, asking themselves when they model how a drug is metabolized in the body, asking themselves, well, now let's put it into a pregnant model of metabolism and see what happens to that, and then we can be ready to know how it might behave when we give it to a pregnant woman. Likewise, you know, this obviously has there are ethical issues around this about how you design these research studies, how you make sure that mums are clear, informed consent about what they're doing. But I think it's so important that we get this right. And in the same way that we've moved the, the goalposts for um, children and made sure that they are now being included in research, likewise, there is definitely a move towards women being included as well. Right. Now, let, let me ask you a little bit more about the way in which information flows. Um, there are mechanisms for family doctors, and I'm talking about North America now, but I'm going to be asking you generally about the situation, whereby if a patient who's under treatment has a side effect that looks as though it's attributable to the medication, this is regardless of whether there's pregnancy involved or not, that then is or notified or should be notified to some health care organization agency that starts to compile the list of adverse effects and the circumstances and the kind of medication that might be involved. Is that the situation in the UK at the moment regarding medications, the side effects, and, and pregnancy? Yes, it is. We have, a, I said, we have two uh, major ways of being able to report adverse drug events. One is through the MHRA, the Medicines and Health Regulatory Authority. Uh, they run something called the Yellow Card Scheme. And in the back of our national formulary that every doctor is sent, there are yellow cards that you can fill out. Um, these are available online now and indeed patients themselves are entitled to fill them out themselves, so they needn't even, um, although it's important, they obviously discuss with their doctor the, the adverse events or the effect of the drug, they can also fill in, a, fill in the yellow card themselves. And then as I say, we also have this slightly more research-based ability for doctors to be able to register a patient who is pregnant um, with a, an organization which will then monitor that pregnancy and register the outcomes from it. I'm just pressing a little bit on this point because it's very topical here. Um, is that notification compulsory for the doctor? Uh, now, <laughs> the big issue we have is that uh, the number of notifications that are sent in by doctors are woefully low. And um, uh, it is something which uh, is trying to be addressed. The General Medical Council, which is the regulatory body for all doctors in Britain, has recently uh, developed some or has recently re-published uh, its guidance for uh, prescribing, and they now make it a, um, a must clause so there are things they suggest you should do and things they suggest you might do, but they also say with this one that we must report drug interactions with a certain group of drugs, the so-called what we call in, in Europe black triangle drugs. So drugs that are still 
under surveillance or there have been concerns about them have a black triangle against them in our formularies, and those ones the GMC is now saying we must inform them about any adverse events. But there currently isn't any other stipulation on doctors to complete the yellow card system or to report adverse events. And I think it is understood that, you know, it is not good enough currently, the amount of reporting that goes on. Right. Okay. Now, next question, a little bit different. How trustworthy, understandable and useful is the information available to women in pregnancy about the challenges created by medications in pregnancy? James? I think this is a really difficult one because I think the problem we have with a lot of the information um, that patients get is that it's not there to serve them. I think particularly, I don't know, certainly in the United Kingdom and in Europe, every packet of drugs has to have a slip inside it, which is called the patient information leaflet. And that's meant to, in very plain language, tell you what the drug is, how you should take it, and the possible side effects. The problem with it is that it is really designed to ensure that the pharmaceutical company can say that they have informed you of all the possible problems. So very often they will just pour out a list of every possible complication or side effect that's possible. And this leaves people thinking that because the list is very long, that must mean that this drug is particularly awful, or it might mean that this drug has lots and lots of side effects. And what we constantly have to do with doctors is tell them, get out your packet of paracetamol or acid. have a different name for paracetamol in the United States. It uh, reminds me, I think it's acetimofen. Is that right? I'm not, not sure. sure. Can no, just carry on. I'm not sure about that. It's a typical headache tablet that everyone takes in the United Kingdom. You often say to patients, look, look at that leaflet, and you'll realize that actually every drug leaflet has a great number of side effects. So the problem with that is very often that leaflets, if someone reads them, just leaves them even more worried about taking their drugs than actually they were before they started them. So very often the very source that should be most of benefit to pregnant mums is not the best. Now the good news is that um, certainly in, in, the, in the United Kingdom, if you have an ongoing medical problem, you are usually looked after by a specialist team of midwives and obstetricians who will be able to give you much more targeted information for you uh, as an individual. And so for them, it's not such a big issue with regard to the patient information leaflets. But I think there is an issue around how they are more there, if you like, to act as a legal um, uh, uh, document rather than a really useful piece of information for pregnant mums. That's very helpful. And that's a question that obviously needs some more discussion and exploration. But it's time again for the break, so we'll take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. James Cave. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Do you ever feel stuck on a hamster wheel? Constantly running but getting nowhere? Ready to try something different? The secret is actually quite simple. When you fall in love with yourself, everything else falls into place, personally and professionally. Each week, you can find out how to choose your energy and change your life with your host, Deborah Jane Wells. It's time to get unstuck, reclaim your personal power, and recapture your zest for living. Tune in to Choose Your Energy, Change Your Life, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and my guest, Dr. James Cave. Our topic is doubling of deaths among sick moms-to-be highlights medication safety in pregnancy. Now, let's talk, James, about what more you want to do and see done to advance healthcare, healthcare during pregnancy. So the first part of that question is, what more would you like to do through the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin to advance healthcare during pregnancy? James? Well, I think this is really important. I have to say, I, I say this from a personal point of view. My, my wife had very severe uh, vomiting during her first, well, actually all her pregnancies, but her first two were particularly bad, and she actually had to spend some time in hospital uh, for her first pregnancy. And the thing we found then, even as a doctor, I found it incredibly difficult to work out which of the multiple of drugs that were, might be an option for my wife might be the safest. So we 
certainly in drugs and therapeutics bulletin are going to continue to publish um, literature which we hope is going to inform and educate professionals. In fact, I was in the office today and we're just putting together a new document on vomiting in pregnancy um, which covers a lot of the issues around the new drugs and um, you'll be aware I think that there's recently been a relicensing of a vitamin B6 derivative um, and we're going to cover the information about that as well in that topic. So we're going to continue to keep looking and trying to make sure we inform and educate professionals. And I think also one of the things we can do at the DTB, because we are totally independent of any um, sort of uh, sponsorship, is that we can just sometimes give people a bit of a nudge and say, come on, what about this? You know, this is not good enough. Let's have a bit of action in this area. So we're going to continue doing that for sure. Right. Now, what more would you like to see done by the medical profession? That is all of you, um, all of the people that I used to be part of, to advance healthcare during pregnancy. What more do you want them to do? James? Well, I, I think this is really important. And I think uh, this is at all kinds of levels. I think the first thing I think we need to be doing as professionals is remembering that any woman of childbearing age could be pregnant. And we need to be thinking ahead of the box and we need to be saying to ourselves, if this woman was to fall pregnant, have we got things right for her? Because if we can do that thinking before they even fall pregnant, we can make sure that mums get the best advice and actually are ready for it. The trouble we've got is about 50% of all pregnancies are unplanned. So you rather miss the boat if you wait until someone's pregnant before you start to think about whether the drugs they're taking are the right ones for them should they fall pregnant. I mean, it's important you do that, but it'd be so much better to do that work even before the patient has fallen pregnant. I think the other thing is that we need to make sure that healthcare for mums to be is well organised. We've got to make sure it's available to women. This is a, you know, a, a, a more of a sort of international issue. In some countries, women have real problems accessing good medical care, and that's something which we ought to really try and make sure. I, you know, being a family doctor, I fly the flag for primary care. I'm a great believer that if you have a doctor locally or even just a health care, uh, someone who provides you with health care, if you know them locally, if you can access them, if you can go to them and talk to you about your problems in a safe environment, that's all really important stuff. I think as we said earlier, doctors have got to get better at reporting drug reactions. That's really important. And we should be doing more research you know, with drugs in pregnant women to make sure they've got the information they need. Right. Now, last last question. Perhaps the most important one, James. They're all important, but this one's particularly important. What's your message for women about healthcare during pregnancy? Well, I think the first thing to say is don't worry about it. I think it's a real issue when you talk about all these issues. Um, you know, you worry, and I want you to think back to the um, stadium with a hundred thousand um, women all pregnant in there and the great news is that in the United States and in the UK 999,990 of you will walk out the door with one or more babies after a year 
you know, and, and that's great. And that is so different from 100 years ago and so different from 200 years ago. So the good news is that overall, the overall mortality rates that we've been talking about are dropping. It's just that this bit within that that isn't being sorted out properly, which we've sort of talked about today. I think the message from, the other message for, for me is if you are on medication, or if you take over the counter medication from your pharmacy, mention it to your doctor and go to your doctor if you plan to fall pregnant in the next year or two, so that they've got an opportunity to talk to you about the medication you're taking, perhaps change things a little bit, make sure that you understand as a woman what's important for you over that time. I think also to remember all that preconceptual counselling about alcohol, about smoking, about your weight, whether you should take the right supplements in the, in the United Kingdom. We remind people to take folic acid and vitamin D supplements. That may be the same message in the USA. I don't know. But we really say to people, you know, prepare for pregnancy. It's, it's an amazing thing. It does amazing things to your body. And it's really important you're ready for it. Right. Now, I want to just ask you a, a supplementary question. It's a bit of a loaded question, but here goes. Um, the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, while it's aimed, targeted at doctors, physicians particularly, it seems to me that it would have interest for patients, one, generally, but also it might have some value here in North America, and I'm not being negative when I put it that way. The difficulty is, and we've seen this in this episode, that I didn't recognize the name of a, med of a common medication because we sometimes use different names here in North America. So my question to you is, how would you feel about people who've listened to this program and more generally um, accessing the Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin website, which they'll see on the e-card that advertises this show, do you think it would be useful to them? Um, I'm sure it would be. The, uh, the difficulty we have, and, and we always feel a bit shamefaced about this, the difficulty we have is that we have a paywall. And we have a paywall because the only way we can fund ourselves is through subscriptions. So that is a really difficult area for us because we would love to be a free access um, information source for anybody who would want it. But the difficulty we have is that if we were to do that, the doctors and pharmacists throughout Britain who pay to to have the drug and therapy bulletin would no longer pay and uh, we would no longer have the resources to be able to provide the information we do. So it is a difficult one and, and you know, I, I, it's something which I think, you know, perhaps as a board we ought to raise as, uh, as a sort of thought, you know, whether we should be removing the, the paywall after a certain length of time perhaps so at least people can access information a bit later and that might still allow people to pay the subscription, I don't know. But it would be, it would be lovely to be able to offer this information to anybody who would want it. Thank you to Dr. James Cave for sharing with us your experience, your insights, and your advice, and all success to you in this work, which is fundamentally important for all kinds of reasons, not least because of the value of life and because of the future and because of what you said, that if we don't get the care of pregnancy right, that carries forward not only for the 
for the mother, but also for the child. And those are things that need to be thought about. And thinking about the way we use medications to help health problems, but also understand the limitations is fundamentally important. So thank you. And I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments about this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be about in caring who caregivers and family caregivers are. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful.